Well, I'm not sure I should have been following that. Maybe that should have been uh, last. I'm not excited to follow that. <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> wanted to start you off with a little story. Um, in some ways, it's a story about you guys. Uh, it was several months back. My wife got in a car accident. Obviously, she's okay. Um, <laughs> and she was okay then. She wasn't too badly injured, thank God. Um, unfortunately, my car was. And so, this happened. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I remember it was within just a few days. A member of this church family, of our church family, came up to me and said, Hey, Colt, heard about what happened. Do you need a vehicle to borrow until you get yours back on the road? And if you can ask my wife, I don't like asking for favors. I don't feel very comfortable with it. I don't like it. And so this felt like too big of a favor for me. So I quickly said, like, no, 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 it's okay. It, it'll be a little bit before I can get my car back on the road. I don't want to do that to you. Like, we'll manage. And he said, Colt, it's fine. I was honestly hoping he would change his mind because it felt like way too much to me. But he didn't. He said, no, it's fine. Take it, keep it as long as you need it, it's no problem. To me, that was a great example of love. That was an example of a strong type of a love that I'm not necessarily used to in every church body I've been a part of. And that's the type of love that Julia and I have experienced here at Old Zion Hill. And we'll never forget that and we will always be very grateful. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about love. Um, in the book of 1 John, we're going to experience the origin of love, the breadth of love, and the command for us to love one another. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, that's what I'm about to do. The book of 1 John. Alright, we'll be reading the book of 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. Let's go ahead and read that. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for the love that you showed us on the cross. I thank you for the love that you've shown us by giving us your word that we might live in relationship with you, that we might know you, that we might serve you, Lord God. And God, I thank you for this church and for the love that they show one another and the love that they've shown us. God, I ask that you would teach us today through your word how to love one another even deeper and how to spread that love to every person that we possibly can, Lord God. I ask you would help us to grow in our relationship with you and with each other through your word today, Lord. 
And I ask that you would bless this church. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we want to first look at the origin of love. And I think probably, if I ask the question, a few of you might know the answer as to what the origin of love is. God is the origin of love. Let's take a look at verses 7 and 8. And we're going to talk about how God is the origin of love. Starting with 7, again it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That first part, let us love one another. John is bringing us into the one challenge that scripture has for you here today. And that is that we ought to love one another. This is one of those things that sometimes is easier said than done. We all know that we're called by Scripture, by God, to love each other. But some days that's really hard. <laughs> and sometimes one another can make that pretty tough. But sometimes we make it tough for others as well. But we all know that that's what we ought to do. But I don't want to get into that just yet. That will be our final point. The next part, said, John said, uh, love comes from God. I think we can all agree on that. That part doesn't need too much explanation. Love comes from God. And that's, uh, the, God is the origin of love. Now this next part, John says something that at first glance could seem kind of controversial if you really think about it. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Wait a second. Does that mean I don't need a relationship with Christ? I don't need to be saved? I just need love? No. The Beatles were not correct when they said, all you need is love. Love is extremely important. And definitely, we all see the news, we all see that at this time in our nation and in the world, the world needs a whole lot more love in general. And it's useful and amazing. But this general type of love will not save you. And this is why context is so extremely important when you're reading scripture. Because if we read that verse and we don't take into consideration context, and if that's the only verse I'm going to tweet or share on Facebook and say, hey guys, you don't need anything but love and you're saved, then it could look like I'm accurate. But if we look at context, we realize just how inaccurate that is. So if you look up just a few verses at uh, 1 John 3, 23, <clears throat> He said, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another, as he commanded us. And John had been saying before that, that this is how we would know that we belong to the truth. That this is how we would know that we belong to him. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and that we love. It's not just love, it's belief in God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is your love for one another. This is how you can know that you are saved, that you belong to Him. Let's look at verse 8 to continue talking about the origin of love. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
That's a strong statement. I'm going to read it again. because Sometimes we just read through stuff and we don't think about it. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Whoa. This makes sense. If you think about the previous part. Whoever does love and does believe in Jesus Christ belongs to God, knows God, is His. This is simply the opposite side of the same coin. It's the inverse of that. If you do not love, you are showing the evidence that you do not belong to Him. Simple as that. You can say whatever words you want, make whatever profession of faith you want outwardly. But if your life does not show love, you are not His. Now this is not to say that that will be a perfect love. If it was, every single person in this building would have an issue right now. We do not show love in a perfect way because we are not God. But if you think about it, God is love. And when I begin my re- began my relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit began to dwell inside of me, literally. And when you think about that and you take that literally... God dwells inside of me. Love dwells inside of me. So how can I have love within me in such a huge way and yet not show love? My lack of love would be evidence that I do not know Him and that He does not dwell inside of me. But again, you're not expected to be perfect just as I'm not expected to be perfect. Christ was the only one who was. But God is the origin of love. And as such, we must understand that when we are blessed, especially when we are blessed by other believers, that is a blessing from God. That is the love of God. I can remember when I was a kid, I experienced that love in a huge way. Um, I think a lot of you know, but I grew up extremely poor. Um, I won't get into all the details, but way below the poverty line. Uh, There was a time when I was little where we were homeless. We lived in a van for quite some time. Um, And so we didn't have a lot in the way of finances and and typically Christmas wasn't as much as you would want it to be as a little kid. But to be honest, I don't remember that. Because all I remember as far as Christmas from my childhood was this one Christmas where a local church blessed me and my family. They gave us more gifts than I can even recall. I feel as if I was opening gifts literally all day on Christmas. It was the best Christmas I've ever had. And God has given me the blessing of literally feeling as though I only remember that Christmas. So to me, Christmas is amazing, because in my childhood it was amazing. But in reality, it was really just that one. But God blessed me and my eight siblings and my mother through other believers, through the body of Christ. That's most often how he shows his love, through us, his children. That is our, that is our honor, that is our burden, that is our responsibility, that is what we get to do. We get to love one another. So God is the origin of love. And Jesus' death on the cross for your and my sins so that we might be saved 
is the breadth of love. And when I say the breadth of love, I mean the highest extent at which love can exist. The highest point, the greatest amount of love that is possible, even conceivable, is Jesus' death on the cross. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There is no greater love than the love that Christ showed us as He died on the cross. Because you see, you, you hear a lot of great stories of love. You've, you've experienced love, I hope and I pray, and the, as much or more than I have from other believers, and so you understand that there is a lot of great love in the, this world. Even those who are not saved know how to love each other greatly and sometimes do amazing acts that I'm very happy to see, but it has nothing to do with God. But the greatest love was the love that Christ showed us on the cross. You see, because we've all got a lot of mistakes. We've made a lot of mistakes in our past. We all screw up just about every day. But it doesn't matter. Because as Christ hung there on the cross, He looked at each one of us and He said, I love you. I love you. I love you. He's not blaming you. He's not judging you. He's not upset about the fact that you're not perfect. He knows you're not perfect. He loves you anyway. Personally, I've made plenty of mistakes. Each of us has. I come from a background that's not very good. I come from a small town in Pennsylvania. If you didn't know I'm a northerner, I am. I come from a small town in Pennsylvania where when my dad committed all of the crimes that he did and when he, became, he ended up on the front page of the newspaper every day for about a month, Literally every friend I had disowned me. All the parents in the area, and I, I guess I don't blame them too much, they told their children they weren't allowed to speak to us, they weren't allowed to associate with us. They made an incorrect assumption. They said, those Wagner or Wagner, whatever you prefer, those kids won't be any different than their dad. They'll be just the same. Trash. Useless. But God didn't care about any of that. God doesn't care about the fact that that's what I come from. God doesn't care about the mistakes that you've made or that your family's made or where you came from. He loves you anyway. And He died on the cross for your sins in that moment of it showing the highest form of love possible. Because nothing can separate you from Him. He loves you anyway. This is how we are to love. Now don't misunderstand me. You cannot die a sacrificial death and take away the sins of anyone. I don't recommend you try. It will be useless. <laughs> Only Christ can do that. But you have to understand when God sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins, He sacrificed the most important thing to Him. There was no greater sacrifice that God could have made than that. So my question to you is, do you love sacrificially? Do you give sacrificially? 
of your time, of your talents, of your money, whatever resources it is, whatever things you hold dear? Are you willing to give of that to show the love of Christ to the world? Because that is what we're called to do. No, you're not called to die on a cross, but you are called to sacrificially love one another. And that's what God expects of us. So God is the origin of love. Christ's death on the cross is the breadth of love. And in verse 11, we're going to look at the command for us to go and love one another. Let's take a look at that. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is not just any type of love. It doesn't say, love one another. It says, dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is a love that is a reaction to God's love for us, that is associated with God's love for us. This is a higher type of love than the love that the world can show. This is a love that reminds me a lot of what Jesus said in another moment in Scripture. If we turn, we're in the, the book of 1 John, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How important is that last part? You can post on social media a nice Christian post or repost a sermon or whatever you want. You can say anything you want. You can talk about the time you went to church camp when you were a kid or the fact that you made a profession of faith. You can be saved. But if you are not outwardly showing your love, who will know? God tells the world about himself through you. Not just through Dr. Dennis. Not just through myself. Through you. Through all of us. The world will only know of Christ's love if we show it. So when we're commanded here to love one another, this is not limited to other Christians. This is not limited to the people in this building. This is not limited to your family. If you recall, Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, and he said that was to love God with everything you have. And he said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he told a parable to explain who it is that your neighbor is. And the meaning of that parable is that your neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with. You're expected, just as I am, to love any person that you can. That's a burden and an honor. That's a lot. 
If you think about the love that which Christ showed, that which God showed when he gave everything, and you think about the fact that we're commanded to love likewise, and we're to love everyone, it can be hard. Because you see, Jesus didn't say right there in the Gospel of John, love everyone who shares the same ideology as you. Love them only if they're Democrat. Love them only if they're Republican. No. That does not matter. He didn't say love everyone except for the people who attack you, who say bad things about you. You can leave them out. No. That does not matter. He didn't say love those who are saved and who are easy to get along with. We are to love the lost and we are to love the saved. It does not matter. Jesus didn't say, love them based on their color. If they're the same color as you, perfect. I know that means you get along better. Love them. No. This does not matter. Jesus did not say, love them if they're heterosexual. No. It doesn't matter. I don't care if the person next to you was born a certain gender and believes they're a different gender or likes someone of the same gender or is married to someone of the same gender. We are called to love them. This does not mean we will ignore the rest of Scripture and understanding that that is wrong. But yet, we are called to love them. You see, it's when you love the people who are hard to love that you truly show the evidence of God in you, of the Holy Spirit in you. And as you love, and especially as you love those who are lost, understand the type of love that we can offer that's different than the love that any person who's not saved can offer is the love that points that person toward Christ. The love that verbally tells them Jesus died on the cross because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That's the highest form of love that we can give is to tell others about Christ and how they can live in relationship with him. It's important to understand you didn't earn Christ's sacrifice. You didn't earn his love. You couldn't. But he gave you that love anyway. I think we're called especially to love those who make it hard. Those who persecute us. Those who disagree with us. Those who are just downright mean. Love them anyway. This being my wife and my final Sunday here with you, at least for now, I'd like to leave you with an encouragement and a challenge. My encouragement is that we have truly never experienced this much love in any church family we've been a part of. Not me growing up as a kid, not her growing up as a kid, and not us as a married couple. We've never experienced this amount of love and friendship and camaraderie from a church. And so I guess you're doing something right. I guess God is doing some good things through you. And for that, we're thankful. We've had situations while we've been here where we needed help. 
And we didn't even have to ask. God took care of us through you. There's been moments where I've felt down and I've been encouraged and lifted through you. You've spoken life into us and you've been our friends. And I have gained such wisdom here and understanding that I will never forget from many of you. And for that, I'll always be grateful. And to be honest, having grown up without a dad, it always means a lot to me when any man who's willing is willing to speak life into me and mentor me and encourage me. And I didn't want to name any names, but Dr. Dennis has done that since the day I met him. And I'm very grateful for that. It's meant the world to me. And you have all meant the world to me. So continue on in the way that you love each other. It's not perfect, of course, as none of us are. But you're doing something right. It means a lot to me that today I will get to be ordained by this church body. Because you got to understand, as a kid, I was told that I was trash. I was told that, that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that I'd never amount to anything. But what you're telling me as a church body is that you believe in me. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. But I told you there was also a challenge, and there is. My challenge is that you would search every day for a way to show that love beyond these walls, beyond the people that you know through this church, beyond your family. Show that love to your neighbor. Show that love to the homosexual person that you work with. Show that same level of love to that person that you disagree with in ideology. Show that same level of love to the person you can't stand. Because God didn't just die for you and I. He died for every person on this earth who exists, who has ever existed, and who will ever exist that would simply turn toward Him. And He tells them about Himself through you. So that is our honor and that is our burden to be the love of Christ, to be His mouthpiece, to tell the world about Him. This is not the job of Dr. Dennis and I or any other pastor. Brother Dave, I haven't forgotten about you. Dustin. This is the job of every single one of us. And it is our most important job, no matter what your career is. That is your most important job. Show that kind of love. So I just want to end by saying thank you, old Zion Hill. Thank you for being my church family, our church family. Thank you for blessing us. We've grown here, and I believe firmly that we've been formed here, and that our wisdom that we've gained here will continue for the rest of our lives. Thank you. We love you.
Pray with me. Dear God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for these people who love you and who love us. God, I just ask that you would encourage them and remind them of of the fact that they truly have done a great job in this area of what you call us to. And God, I also ask that at the same time, you'd push them, you'd encourage them to show that love way beyond us, to show that love to everyone that they can, so that at the end of the day, the world might know you, Lord. So at the end of the day, one more might be saved. Allow us here in this church to be the catalyst for that, to be a part of someone coming to know you. Allow us to love in that way, please, Lord God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your church. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Worship team, would you come and lead us? Uh, we're going to stand, have a time of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart and the Holy Spirit is leading you to give your life to Christ, to be baptized, to become a follower, this is a time that we would ask you to present yourself and say, this is what God is calling me to do. If you have come to understand that the Lord is placing you in this church and he's speaking to you about moving your membership here and planning your life here, this is the time that we invite you to come. Now, we're not going to linger. We're not going to have a long song. We have a fairly short song. So if God's spoken to you, when we start singing, it's time to move and do what he says, okay? Cole, thank you so much. Powerful message. He's going he's gonna to do pretty good, I think. You, you know, people look at him and think he's like 15. He's not. He's, he's almost twice 15, aren't you? When's your birthday? December, you'll be 30. Gray hair is right here. I see him coming. If God has spoken to you, we invite you to step into agreement with God by presenting yourself with what he says. Brother Dave, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to put my COVID mask on. You come and share what God is doing in your life and present yourself. And we're going to say one, unless, unless there's a lot of movement, one through this one time. Thank you. This is my 